So that story, like every story, has a moral. We lived in a double standard society. Of course, my boss was not an evil man at all. But by virtue of his position, he had to act in certain way, like removing me from my concert. Therefore, he would fulfill his official obligation. But he never felt any bad feeling towards me at all. In fact, he did not remove me from the orchestra job at all. Although I did not do my concert as assistant conductor, but I kept on a job as a violinist. The only problem with that was that uh, we had other voices in the orchestra. The secretary of uh, musicians union, secretary of the communist party, and they would demand explanation why I was not fired. And so the director actually came with a wonderful idea. He called me and he said to me, Victor, here is the problem. I cannot keep you on the job if there are descending voices from our official party. Therefore, we have to put it to the vote. I'm sorry, I have to do that. So next morning, he came to the orchestra and he said, who wants to work, continue work with Comrade Jampolsky and Borak, who are now applying to Israel? Raise your hand. And not one person raised the hand. Therefore, he said, your colleagues do not wish to work with you. So what he did for us, he put us, both of us, on a sick leave, indefinite sick leave, 50% pay. So we did not go to any rehearsals and concerts, but we had to go to the Philharmonic Society every two weeks, get our pay because there was another difference between Soviet society and the United States. There are no checks, no accounts. You stay in a cashier line and get your cash and sign every two weeks. So I had to come and stay in line with my former colleagues to get paid. And of course, some of them decided to be, pretend to be three feet away from me. Others didn't care at all. And still others were joking. Do you have any already new engagements? You're famous foreign conductor. What are you doing here? You know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So it was actually quite funny. But one day I learned that my contract was the, uh, stopped and that was mid-February mm -hmm. so I realized that uh, director would not do it on his own accord perhaps he heard that we are getting our visas 
so he decided uh, it was not necessary for him to pay me anymore. And so shortly after I learned that I'm not member of Philharmonic anymore, I got called from the uh, immigration office uh, with a request to come over and get my visa. And here we are entering the new completely twilight zone period of getting my visa. Why? Because at first the woman said to me on the phone, you must bring your passports, your family, certificates, marriage and birth, and uh, you must bring 23,000 rubles for your education. And so I said, I never heard of such a sum of money. You know my salary, 100 rubles a month. Plus I had a, a cooperative apartment, I had to pay, uh, it's like condo, mm -hmm. condominium fee. And I had a young family, a boy four and a half years old, girl was just born um, she is now 37 and expecting a baby <laughs> anyway <laughs> and so I started to call other friends who were in the same boat with me who were leaving got their visa and were scrambling what to do about paying for education um, quite uh, soon enough I discovered that there was another sort of immigrating Jews. Those were Jews without high education, without necessity of paying large sums for high education, but who made a lot of money on the black market, illegally. And in order for them to leave, they had to get rid of those. Uh, or savings, illegal, you know, like under pillow, under mm -hmm. blanket, because Soviet ruble was not convertible. So they had to find ways to convert all their wealth into something valuable upon arrival to Israel. And they decided to lend it quietly to people <laughs> who need it. All right. The lending procedure was typically Russian. Only a word. There was nothing ever written by anybody. Yeah. You give me this, I promise in 12 months time in Israel, after a year, when I will be on my feet, I will return it to you. That's it. And we agreed, not we, they, mm -hmm. agreed on a uh, ratio of conversion. Okay, one shekel was four rubles at that time, okay. But I had no knowledge of such uh, society, you know, mm -hmm. underworld society in Russia. So I had no clue how to get into the door, how to find anybody. And one day I received phone call from another friend of mine who told me, Victor, um, I just met your uncle in, uh, Lvov, it's a city which used to be in Poland, but now it is in Ukraine, uh, literally in the border of Ukraine and Poland. 
very Western Ukraine. In Ukrainian, they call it Lviv, but in Russian, we call Lvov. So uh, he wants to see you. Uh, why don't you hop on a train? And I did hop on a train, went to Lvov. And he said, I found this guy. I think he's planning to immigrate. Uh, he needs to get rid of some of his mm -hmm. treasures. Let's go see him. So we went. He introduced himself as Gregory. Gregory, 